0: And welcome back to the family and friends podcast the weekly podcast from us here at family creative Each week we introduce you to someone from our professional creative network Learn a little about the people we feature and discuss different routes into the industry and our guests personal experiences Our guest this week is director Sumea jafari Sumaya began in the post department some years back working at a number of agencies in london and developing a reputation as an amazing editor, she decided to make the jump into directing. You know, having spent quite a long time working on other people's content, self-funding a number of films, most recently a lovely piece for Audi. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family and Friends with director Samia Jafari. Samia, thank you so much for joining us on the uh, Family and Friends podcast. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. What's uh, what you've been up to recently? How's how's everything?
1: Things are good. Um, I just finished a job with Lush, uh, directing that. Oh, sick. And I'm on a edit for Vice with Adidas. And I'm just about to finish my Audi car commercial, which is like a spec car commercial, which I've actually self-funded. So, yeah, quite a lot going on. Very varied so, projects. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, bath bombs and cars. Yes. Um, <laughs> self-funded with Audi. How does that work?
1: So, I basically... It's on the Audi... It's not like a partnership with Audi as such. It's essentially that I want to do cars and to get into cars, it's quite a niche Mm -hmm. little part of the industry. And if you don't have cars on your reel, you don't get to do car commercials. So, especially as a female director, I thought I kind of need to make a stand and kind of prove that I can do cars. Um, A DOP that I work with a lot, Sam Myers, he um, invested in like a Russian arm business. Um, So I got very lucky to have been working with him for two years. And he was generous enough to basically give me all that kit and equipment for free for us to do like a spec commercial. And like, if I was to get commissioned, Mm -hmm. this is what I could do sort of thing. So it's like a portfolio piece. But then we ended up getting like the new Audi Utron from an Audi dealership. So we got like an eight grand car for free. (laughs) It was like a four day shoot, 5k budget. We just, yeah, we made it happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that to be out.
0: How come you want to work the car so much?
1: It's not really like so much. I think it's more... I've been getting a bit typecasted in the sense of the briefs that I've been getting. I think I've spent a lot of years self-funding a lot of my work. That's I think being the main journey of my success in a way, kind of betting on myself uh, and learning through that process. I've not been waiting around to get funds or like um, like grants or anything like that. So it's always been in my DNA to kind of do what I want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. So. A lot of the work that I would like, that I'm interested in is kind of like commercials and fashion and like com- like big brands. And I've tried to cultivate that within my work. But I've noticed that the works that I've been kind of getting pitched for or approached for in the last few years have been very much like female led or POC led. So I feel cars and fashion allows me to experiment more. Like with music videos, I think there's a conception that music videos are like the ultimate creative Uh, expression for directors Mm. but I actually kind of disagree because I feel like I'm ultimately bound by the artist's initial Um,
0: And their kind of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: their lyrics, their music, their ideas. It's a collaboration, you know? So as much as as it does allow for creativity, I'm not saying it doesn't, it is a collaboration with the artists who are creators in themselves. So I feel that actually with fashion films and and car commercials, as long as you feature the product, they're kind of an open space to do what you want. They can be very experimental. They can be very abstract. They can be very metaphorical. So... Yeah,
0: mm. nice that's the draw. Yeah. How much uh, can you talk about the Audi commercial that yeah. you're doing? Like, so what? Um, what's kind of your concept? How are you going to put your own spin on sort of uh, the. The car commercial yeah. kind of world, like yeah. what? How are you gonna try and put your stamp on it? Yes,
1: yeah, so I mean, I came up with the idea. I wrote, I wrote the poem for it as well. So essentially, I had this idea. Well, also bear in mind that there are limitations to the ideas that I can have. I have five thousand pound budget, <laughs> and I have the most skeleton crew. But we shot it over Easter weekend. And it was like maybe ten of us, including cast yeah. and like runners. Like it was just, DOP, AC, and me, and a producer, and everyone else was runners or cast. So it was definitely an ambitious. Project, and I'm very grateful to have had the team to be able to pull it off. But within the realms of me coming up with an idea, like I don't have budget for CGI, I don't have budget to like push that sense of that sort of experimentation. So I had to come up with something that was doable but still had my style. Mm-hmm. So I came up with an idea that essentially the car had a life of its own but you saw a couple through the POV of the car and the way we shoot it is very much technically through the point of view of the car so the way we place the cameras and how the camera moves with the car and then throughout this flashback that the car is having of the couple there's a poem from the car's point of view that i've written so it opens up with the car on a beach it's overlooking the ocean and it basically goes into this flashback and you see the couple's journey through the car with poetry over top and then it goes back into the present where the car drives from the beach to the couple's house, wakes them up and drives them to the beach. So essentially it's this car that demands more. And the car isn't, even though it's got a life of its own quote unquote, it's the embodiment of the couple's relationship. It's kind of this merge of the couple is the car and the car is the couple. Mm And because it's 100% electric, I kind of wanted to do this sort of idea where it, where it's like it will, it pushes you to live your life to the max and the couple is like this sort of young couple who doesn't, they don't have kids. They're kind of like in that in-between stage of being my age before they have kids mm-hmm. and the car kind of fits into that lifestyle, if that makes it? sense. Yeah. Sounds
0: great. How's it all looking?
1: It's looking good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm not going to lie. I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for, like I said, for the budget and the days and the crew, it, it's as good as a spec I can. I think I could have done. Uh, no regrets, I guess, yeah.
0: So, awesome, nice one. Where are you from? When did you, you know, where did you grow up?
1: So I was born in Iran. Uh, I came here when I was five. Uh, I've lived in many cities in England and in many areas within London. I'm a bit of a nomad. Don't really have an allegiance to some place in England, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think my heart is Iran, I guess, because that's where I was born. I feel like that's my foundation. Um, So yeah, I moved here when I was five. Uh, Moved to London about 10 years ago in 2011. Is that 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> not good at maths. Uh, yeah, moved here whilst I was doing my masters. Uh, I finished my masters in 2011 in documentary. I did my BA in media arts. Um, got a job here, like as a part time edit assistant at a company called Punnison Gardens. Um, I was working on a documentary. They were editing about pirate radios at the time. And then from there, I got my first job as a runner at a Stitch Editing. And then I was, didn't kind of, I basically didn't pass my three months probation there. And then I fell into editing as a freelancer without really meaning to, you know, I kind of moved to London and it just kind of happened.
0: You just took a few opportunities that exactly. arose. Exactly, it wasn't, yeah. Before you know it, you're like, oh. I'm an
1: editor, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, so yeah, I kind of started editing bits and bobs and then I got a full-time job at, uh, agency, at an agency called Dare. Mm-hmm. And I was their sort of in-house content director, editor, so it gave me a really good insight into agency world, like how the creatives work, how pitches are done, how you know how you win clients, how you lose clients, and unfortunately there was a lot of redundancies at Dare at the time. So I was obviously one of them, and then from there I fell into Soho editors. So they repped me as an editor. So I worked as freelance through them, and then I landed at Code Media for two years on like a freelance contract like a rolling contract. And that's where I think I kind of then started to really think about what I wanted to do because up to that point, I was editing, producing, writing, directing, Mm. and I was doing a lot, plus photography. And I was doing all these things and I think it was a way of just trying to find a way to fully express myself. Those are all the tools, but it wasn't like, there wasn't one thing that was kind of...
0: prominent Satisfying me? yeah all, all yeah. the other bits yeah. yeah
1: and also I didn't know which one was fulfilling me more because I was just doing everything <laughs> bit of a hustler so um it got to a point when I kind of was at code I had the luxury to kind of do my own thing whilst I was there quite a lot because um, there weren't edits every day so they kind of were really cool about me doing my own thing and that's when I kind of started to arrange a lot of photography s- shoots so do work on my portfolio and do a lot of directing stuff and um when I kind of left code, I think that's when it all kind of hit That actually, I, I was actually, it wasn't actually a hitting moment. I, 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 maybe I shouldn't put it that way. It was more like a very conscious decision. Do I do photography or do I do directing? Those two things I think were the main things that gave me a creative outlet. Editing is kind of like my bread and butter. I love editing and I think I'm good at it, but it's not how I express myself. It's, sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's part of my expression, but it's not in terms of job, it's not how I express myself. So. I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, photography, I love photography, but I felt like, whilst doing that experimentation of two years and making stuff, I I felt like video and directing gave me more space to tell the stories that I wanted to say. I could do it in photography, but it's quite limiting in terms of stills, you know, Mm. there's no further output, I feel. I chose directing and it was like a conscious decision about 4 years ago to try and shift from editing to directing and it's been very difficult because I built up a lot of roster of clients as editor an editor and I work with the most amazing companies but it was very frustrating for many years of being there and directing directing on the side but also editing other directors' work that I wish I was directing and it was very frustrating because mm, I, I just wasn't tough, yeah. I just wasn't getting my break I just wasn't and I was like so so stressed and kind and of you just,
0: you're probably quite hungry for it as well like it must yeah. yeah. start like dangling the carrot in front of your yeah. face almost
1: and all the money I made from editing I'd put back into my directing you know oh, I was just right. constantly doing that I was producing them as well so I was producing directing editing and writing whilst working as a freelance <laughs> editor and you know I'd always compare myself with other directors and you know a lot of people close to me are like but Samaya you're not a full time director like you're in full time editor trying mm-hmm. to be a director. You can't compare your success with people who do something full time sure. versus you doing something part time, you mm-hmm. know? And that was a lesson I really had to try and yeah. hone in mentally to, to not, you know, like but these guys
0: are further down the line in their careers as well, you know, if they've been yeah. doing it for a few years. Yeah. Where, do, where does this um where does this love for for media come from? Like it sounds like you've you you know, you do so many different things within the sort of industry. Has it always been like this? Like, did, have you always sort of been quite creative? You know, from, yeah. from from being young.
1: I think it's. I've always had an expression of writing. I mean, I I was writing poems and short stories like when I was younger. All oh, right. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, that kind of comes from maybe like life experiences of needing to express certain traumas and certain things that I was going through at a young age, but. I actually planned to study English, and it's a bit of a funny story. I don't know if you've got time for it, but yeah. um, I was actually meant to study English, and I'd only put Royal Holloway down as my university with no backup, because I was quite good at writing like literature and language, mm-hmm. and I was so confident that I'd get in, I just didn't have a backup uni. And uh, basically, during my AT level, I got chickenpox mm. at the age of 19.
0: Oh, man, that's dangerous.
1: Yeah, so... It hits you hard, from yeah. what I
0: heard. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm in the middle of my exams. Yeah. I mean I'm in the middle of my A2 exams I miss biology so I think I like I just did I couldn't get I couldn't make my biology exam but my English exam I like I dragged myself to the sports hall and I remember like being in the back of the hall like like behind a pillar because I was covered and I was like trying to do my English exam because I knew that if I didn't get my grade in yeah, English yeah, I, was, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was fudged basically. Oh, so, um, so I did that but at the same time I was doing an extension award in English which basically means that at A level if you're gifted at a subject you do like a university level exam. Mm-hmm. To kind of prove that you are, you know, you're like above whatever the sort of normal standards. So I did an English English extension award, and I made it to that exam as well, and I got a merit for that. But then my actual English exam, I didn't get an A. So I ended up with. For the first time in my life, getting a B in English. And I had a bit of a moment in my life because I was like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> didn't know how to deal with that. And I kind of panicked. And I was like, well, I ran Royal Holloway and I was like, can I get through clearing? Can I get through English anyway? And they were like, well, everyone else got an A. So uh, no. F- and I was like...
0: Actually, there's like some special circumstances, you know, you're, yeah, you're hit even, with like... Yeah, they
1: even, even, still with that, i got to be. So I must have done terribly on that day, which I can't really blame myself. I had chicken pox, you know, I mean, yeah. I must have just not been on it. And I obviously didn't do very well, even with the exception made for my chicken pox. So I then just like literally grabbed the brochure and I swear to God, I just looked at the course and I was like, oh, media arts. Uh, hi, can I go through clearing? And I just like literally like blagged my way through because my, my grades, even though like I'd got a, like I was decent grades, but like, for example, i had done quite a lot of A levels. i had done like Persian as well and general studies and all this stuff. And the course instructor was like, well, we don't accept general studies and Persian, you're from there. So that's not really, you know, an A level. And I was like, well, actually I had to teach myself to write and read to do that exam. And, you know, he was like, why do you want to do media? You want to do English? And I just basically, I don't know what I said, but I blagged it for 10 minutes and he like gave me an unconditional offer and that was that and it was the biggest blessing in disguise <laughs> so it's literally I, just a
0: massive gear change what was your plan when you were studying english and you wanted to go to university I no idea really
1: no idea and i think like if there was a moment in my life where i think there was like divine intervention that would be it because i was i went to union, i saw people who said in english and i was like i would not have been able to do that Really? it was insane and i and i definitely think that once i went to university and i kind of realized that yeah, there was more to my creative there is more to me to express rather than just writing stories, you know.
0: That's mad. So yeah. She so just kicked off with some it chicken, pox.
1: With some chicken <laughs> pox. So yeah, a really bad thing could be a really good thing, guys.
0: Uh yeah. Amazing. Um well let's let's talk about sort of you coming into uh you know, you're being a director now and stuff. We left you and the part of your story when you d- you're still doing full time editing kind of frustrating because you want to direct and you're just making other people's work look amazing Uh, so you're kind of stuck in this weird loop how did you get out of it?
1: By doing more and more work and getting better at it so the more I funded my own films then the better sort of I felt like I had more of a portfolio. The more the producers that I worked with were aware of that, so I think marketing is really key, and that's the advice I would give. Like my email signature had like director, editor, even though I was predominantly working as an editor, mm-hmm. you know, and like I had my sort of branded logo, and I had a link to my directing website. So anyone that I'm even working for as an editor can click that and go, oh, she does directing too. And I think it's uh, right. constantly, slowly, like making people see what you are, like, and also gaining the trust. Like, for years I've edited for companies and I've gained those producers' trust and then, you know, in conversation, try to kind of get in there in the most casual way that, like, oh, yeah, I'm just shooting this weekend. I'm doing this project and really trying to, like, really, like, transition in in the best way I could without being overly, you know, Mm. like, forceful of it. There's a fine balance. And I think at some point uh, I finally... Basically, actually, shiny, shiny. I don't know if you know Shiny um, Awards. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were a real help because I think I submitted a film, uh, one of my short films, to that, and then it got screened, and I kind of was in their network. And this um, this panel thing was happening with like five female directors. Like, one was some iconoclast, Skunk RSA Annex, and then they wanted an ind- independent director, mm-hmm. and they reached out to the woman who owned, uh, runs Run Shiny. Caroline and big up to Caroline because I think this was definitely one of my breaks so to say and she put me forward and they selected me to be part of this panel talk in front of like all these people and companies and I was like the underdog in this situation and I didn't know there was going to be like a iconoclast director who's just done like the she directed um the suffragettes with Meryl Streep and like I'm along amongst all these female directors, and I had no idea these companies were going to be there. They just said, oh, do you want to be part of this thing? And I was like, yeah, and I didn't know all these companies were going to be there. <laughs> and it was, like, really, really nerve-wracking because I was sitting there, and it's, one by one, these female directors were going up, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like,
0: <laughs> At this I'd, point, what was oh, on your reel? Oh, my like, God, I would written <laughs> what's this. That really done?
1: I'd, like, just my short films. Okay. Like, not even a single commissioned piece of work. Like, yeah. I was really, like, independent underdog. Yeah, like yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So... This happened about two years ago and then I had to go up and like I was the third director out, fourth out of fifth to talk. And my mic kept on fucking up, so mm. I just like lost my confidence, and it got it to throws you off, like it, it kind of
0: derails your I concentration. Mean, it, got to,
1: it got to the point that the people at the back were like, "We can hear you, don't worry," and they were like cheering for me to keep going. Nice. It was that bad, like it, I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating how bad it was. It was bad, and I just like I just didn't say half the stuff I wanted to say. But I showed my films, and I think, you know, my films are quite emotive pieces, and I think that combined with the way I was kind of worked in my favor because I, you know, I kind of laid my, heart, like my, I wore my heart on my sleeve in a way, and I think people could see that with my work. And then, that was it. That from then on, all these companies, like everyone, was keen to talk to me at the really? end of it. Yeah, like, I had like iconic kind of class and.
0: Oh man, you must have been so excited. I was buzzing. That yeah. was my biggest
1: break in terms of just breaking that. Like I'm a director. Like, you know, this is my work. This is what I can do. And um, from then, yeah, I got my first commissioned music video. And then it wasn't until like months later that the producer that I was working for uh, editing, he'd always said, I'll, I'll give you a brief, I'll give you a brief. He never did. And then like out of nowhere, I got an email from the face saying, we've got a, Nike, a job for Nike. Uh, are you interested? And I was like, yes. Like, what the hell? Like I went from like a very low budget music, video to my first pitch being Nike. I was like, this is an- insane. <laughs> and yeah, I pitched against five female directors and I won. which Sick. was And that was, I think, my biggest break. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Oh mate, fantastic. Yeah. Um so that's the biggest sort of like break. One of the sections we have on family and friends is uh like the biggest clangour. Uh when have things sort of gone a bit a bit wrong have yeah. there been any... <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, when I was with so editors uh, and I was much younger and I was editing and I, they put me up for a job for like an, like an overnight job, editing. Yes. Assisting. Okay. For a company that I still work for, so I can't say what company That's for. Because right. no, no, that no, was no. embarrassing. Right, um, keep it,
0: keep it nondescript.
1: Yeah. So I was like really nervous about doing a night shift, assisting this sort of editor who had to get this edit for the client in the morning because it's America time or whatever and it was like hard deadline. So the editor's there, the producers there, and we're ordering a night, like all-night And I remember like wanting to stay awake because I was so nervous about not staying awake. And I don't really drink coffee, so I was very sensitive to caffeine. But I had this like Starbucks Frappuccino thing beforehand and it made me really jittery. Re- <laughs> <like shaking. laughs> so I was like sitting there and I was like, oh, just do something, do something. Because like I didn't know what to do. And he's editing and me being quite naive and like just had a really dumb moment. And it was all, like trying to help. But you know those situations when you try to help and you just fuck things up. Mm. Like Everything's on the server. And I was like, oh, let me just organise the server, like the folders on the server. And all of his files went offline and we could not relink them for some reason. So his whole edit was fucked. And they were... Pissed, and imagine like I'm in this office all night with no one there but this producer and editor who just like, don't want to see me. They don't want to fucking look at me, and I'm like, shit. I have to stay up from <laughs> like around
0: watering the plants and shit. Literally <laughs> so from like no, caffeine. I was crying.
1: I was literally in the <laughs> no. toilets crying. I was like, oh. what do I do? Like, how can I salvage this? And they were like, don't touch anything. And I was like okay and i can't go home because you know i had to man up and like wait for the production head of production to come in and like have a conversation yeah yeah yeah. you can't
0: just like run away from it really like you just gotta just be there
1: i had to sit there for six hours it was torturous like i I was like googling i was really young at this point you know i was was googling like what to do when you mess up at work you know like because i was so nervous and i had to just like fess up and he was like yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I said, look, I don't want to get paid. He was like, well, you can invoice for half. I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I don't want any money. Like, I stopped that. So. <sighs> and then I didn't work there for many, many years after until he left.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I kind of got my break in there and I've been working with them since. So, no one needs to know about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Have you ever, uh, since you've been directing, have you had stuff that has just gotten away from you and you've like maybe finished a job and it's been like you're just kind of frustrated and maybe like not not let down with yourself but just I don't know sometimes you can just get a bit deflated if, if things just don't go to plan sometimes it's annoying because you've got it in your head yeah you, when you show up on the day the film's already in your head and it looks amazing and then shit goes wrong you can't do this scene this doesn't quite work yeah has there been any like that you can think of that you learn a lot of lessons on put it that way
1: mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there has been a few, few pieces, but I think I'm, I'm the sort of person that whilst I'm working on a project, I've already got my next one lined up. Mm. I'm a bit of a overachiever in that sense, so I'm already like, it, if anything, it's kind of bad because it doesn't let me enjoy that project fully because I'm like done, next one bigger, better, next one bigger. But like, I'm a bit relentless like that. Like mm. I, I'm a perfectionist and I want to do the best. So whatever happens in that project, yeah, I'll be upset, but. I'm just always on the next one. So, okay. Yeah, there are so moments. Of course, got, I've learned. Of course, yeah. I've learned on the way. But yeah.
0: You've got things to kind of distract you. I guess,
1: yeah, distract just put yourself. that energy into the next one. Like, I don't want to fail. Like, I just, it's not an option for me. So, like, whatever I've learned and whatever frustration I have, I will just put it into the next project and try not to do that again. Yeah. It's a bit um, exhausting. I'm not going to lie. It's like, I rarely enjoy that project and I think with the Audi thing what was so nice about it is that I didn't have anything after you know Mm -hmm. it was really like a really big ambitious project it was the longest shoot I've had like four days I've never shot anything four days really um and yeah I think it was quite nice just to take my time and not be stressed about the next one but I knew I had to do that for this project because it was quite a big one you know I've never worked with tracking vehicles I've never done a car commercial so I knew if I had something Lined up, it's going to take that concentration away. So I'm trying to learn to really savor each project because otherwise, okay. yeah, I'm just always on the run. Just you know? slow it
0: down a little bit and maybe give it a little bit more attention for a longer time. I suppose yeah. it's probably going to help. Nice, mate. Um, do you still write short stories?
1: Yeah, I mean, not for not for many years. No. Um, I'm I'm planning to write my own feature mm-hmm. uh, because there's a deadline for BFI funding in November for short films. And my plan is to write my future so that I can make a short film out of that as a proof of concept uh, in November. So it's kind of like now or never, because I'm at that stage where I think I am kind of getting approached, obviously, maybe sign somewhere or like my kind of career is kind of taking off in the sense that like, I'm getting more work. Mm -hmm. And I know if I don't take this time out now to write this future, once I start getting worked, I'm not going to have that time. Yeah, sure. I'm kind of from now to November, my, my mission is to start writing, but I haven't written script, script form in a long time and I think that's what's kind of daunting. Yeah. I've had the idea for six years and I haven't written anything. So. Wow. And I've tried that's... everything. I've tried everything to write it and <laughs> nothing is happening. So wish me luck, basically. I mean, yeah. What do you do
0: in that situation? <laughs> you just got to try and get like, inspired? or.
1: Yeah, I think the fear is very uh, overwhelming. Mm. I think the fear of write, writing a feature is just a different... I think the fact that I've never written a feature in itself is like a complete block for me and then not only that I think um, over the years I've tried to develop it the more I've thought about it the more I realised there is a bit of a personal element to it and when I realised that there was even more of a block Mm. because maybe I don't want to open that up maybe it's too personal and I think the best work is personal but maybe the fear of writing a feature and failing plus opening up a part of my own sort of trauma combined Mm. is a bit too overwhelming to actually do
0: it's tricky What's the options? Could you maybe like share the rough concept with someone and maybe try and write something collaboratively or even just not not like officially collaboratively, mm. but like bounce some ideas off people or
1: yeah,
0: I don't know because it's it's tough because yeah. if you internalize everything, sometimes you just get lost in your own like echo chamber yeah like it's it is a tricky one,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean yeah
0: um. So a few a couple of years back before you sort of made your break as a director one of the one of the main challenges you had was marketing yourself as a director. You're now like getting some really good opportunities. What are the biggest challenges like you face now as a director as a working director mm-hmm. like what what are the main things you might like struggle with or what are the tough lessons you've had to maybe learn as a director mm-hmm. it could be like time management or uh what to spot? when a brief comes in uh if it's going to be troublesome or i don't know have you had to learn any hard lessons since you started started working in the field
1: i think because of my background of editing i think i've been really fortunate for that to help me as a director In terms of dealing with clients, because I've been in-house where I know the process of... I think because I know how creative briefs are Mm -hmm. done, I know how clients... I mean, I've sat with clients, I've edited for clients, I've met clients, and I think I have a very good understanding of how that works. So on that sense, I think I've been quite lucky to use the experience of being an editor for 10 years into my directing. And because I edit, I think I've got a very clear idea of how to get what I want to get. So I think that's my strength as a director. Um, I think my weaknesses or things that I maybe struggle with is I think I'm a bit I think I'm a bit too much of a people pleaser I think I'm a bit too nice if anything does that make sense like I think that I struggle with maybe being um Maybe not being... I think I'm a bit concerned about how I come across on set and how my crews are happy. Like, I want everyone to be happy. I don't know if it's an Iranian hospitality thing that it's, like, within me, but I'm very aware of everyone else and how everyone else is feeling rather than, like, maybe just, like zoning that out and...
0: Focusing on...
1: Right, and it's not... Your
0: direct responsibilities, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's not to say that I don't focus and I don't get what I want because I do, but I think I spend a lot of energy... Mm. You know what I mean? I spend a lot of, like, energy worrying about...
0: On these, like, smaller peripheral things, which probably, like, it... (laughs) In some ways, it does make you a better director because you are conscious of it, and you'll have a happier crew, and you'll get better results.
1: Yeah, it's a cashing to you.
0: Yeah, it's like a balancing act, I guess. Because
1: also, I think of everything because I've produced. Mm -hmm. I think of everything. I mean, like I work with producers (laughs) and clients, and they're like, "You don't have to worry about that, Samaya. You know, I have had producers who like Samaya, just focus on the creative." But I'm so conscious of everything that I don't let anything. Slip past me, and that mm-hmm. in a way, like you say, it makes it actually adds to my strength, but also sometimes it can be a weakness. And I think I've got to learn. I think one, my, my, my other biggest thing is, is control. I'm, I am, I will say, a bit of a control freak, and <laughs> I literally because of the, again my background of producing, directing, editing, writing, I don't know any other way. I do everything, and I think as I progress as a commercial director, I need to let certain things go. So, for example, I edit everything I do. And on this last job, for example, um, they wouldn't let me edit it because I was on. I'm on a job with Vice, and even though I knew I could do it in like an hour, they still wouldn't let me do it because you know what clients are like. Sometimes they want like a post house to take care of it, and there's a bit yeah, of a politics yeah, with that. Yeah. So I had to let that go, and but at the same time, I'm kind of welcoming that because I know I've got. There's this, there's this only a certain point that I can mentally stretch as I advance, and when I'm doing really big jobs that are two weeks long, I'm not going to be able to edit. You know no. what I mean? So I think it's about now building that that extending my sort of tribe like I feel like I found a really nice tribe at the moment and like my resources and my crew it's just extending that to maybe like editors and stuff like that because yeah I can't I can't control everything
0: how hard is it gonna be to find an editor yeah uh, I think
1: think I'm I'm at the stage now where I'm lucky to have worked with this guy um for last, who's quite collaborative so we're kind of co-editing at the moment a little bit I think that's how I think I can do that. Find a few people that don't mind me co-editing yeah. and then I can, the longer it goes the more I can just give them. Just and trust them with it. Yeah, that's, that's, just have, that's the yeah,
0: thing. Comfortability. But I
1: can't explain to you how because I was trying to direct him how to edit it, and I found it really difficult because I've never had to articulate how to edit. Mm. It's so instinctual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even, I don't even consciously know what I'm doing. So how can I say that to someone else? <laughs> and I'm so quick at doing everything that I direct myself because I've literally.
0: It's a, it was already in your head.
1: It's so quick for me, and I, I don't mean something in then go to stick away. But I just, mm. I, it's just genuinely like the quickest thing to do is to give it to me to edit it. Rather than yeah, yeah, by the time I've briefed someone, I've already done it. Yeah. You know is um, it but
0: all editing is is translating a, a concept into a visual you know piece like uh, if it's in your head and you're the one doing the editing and you know what the piece needs to look like it kind of makes sense yeah. but as you said it is a bit of a dangerous game because the longer you keep directing you're going to get bigger jobs you're going to be busier yeah you're, going to, to, go you're going to have to let go at some point. clients
1: and agencies want to, you know, they'll have their specific sort of edit houses they want to work with. And it'll
0: all be kind of their like deck presentation yeah, to the client exactly. being like, hey, we got this shit hard editor yeah. and this colorist yeah. and yeah. all this kind of stuff.
1: But I'm looking forward to that as well. Like, I, I'm very collaborative on all other aspects of my filmmaking. So I know that the editing is like my biggest control weakness. And I, I know that. I'm well aware of my weakness in that. But I'm also aware that I'm looking forward to someone... Surprising me, I'm looking for someone to actually bring something to my work, and I'm like, "That's sick!" Mm. Like, yes, you know, it's not just me in my head. Like, so I'm really, I'm I'm putting the time in to hopefully build those relationships now. It's
0: just a matter of time. Yeah, you just got to keep collaborating with people, take references. Yeah, if someone shouts you and they're like, "I think you really get on with this person," Uh, yeah, before you know it, like you're just going to like kick it off massively, and hopefully, yeah, it could lead on to a completely, you know, new sort of.
1: I know. your time, it, in your style. it's a free or like, life, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the joy. <Yeah. laughs> no, I mean I love editing.
0: What do you do with all your spare time? <laughs> Take up another hobby. Yeah. I don't know. Um so one of the sections we have got is advice mm-hmm. for people.
1: Where do I start?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean what I usually try and tailor the question mm-hmm. to the person. Uh I mean what 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 do you think has been one of the toughest phases of of your sort of career? Yeah. And how would you advise people going through something similar? Yeah. Uh how you know what did you do to get through it personally?
1: I think we we already touched upon this but like yeah the this, the toughest was the toughest point in my career was making films and not getting anywhere and not feeling like I'm getting anywhere. You know like it was a real grind in like all this emotion and energy and money to, to all my, to what I consider my art, like expressions, because they are quite artistic films. They're not client films, you know? So they really are like a piece of me. And I would put that out there. And for years it just felt like no one was watching them or no one really cared or it was too experimental or it was too niche and clients wouldn't align to it. And, you know, but it really, really, I mean, I can't stress this enough, like it really is, um, it's, it's, it's a game of time you know it's a game of numbers like the more you do this is what i've learned the more you do and the more you do you it's undeniable it's like it's a matter of yeah, it really is a matter of, like, number of films I made. Like, I literally saw it that way. I was like, okay, one, two, three, four. Keep doing it until someone sees it. And, yes, you can help yourself by Saminda Shiny and other festivals and stuff, but I never really went to, like, the big festival circus. I mean, I did that for one short film, but it kind of put me off because I ended up saying £300 and getting, like, one shortlist or one um, sort of a um, – what's it called? Uh, nomination. Mm. And I was a bit like, I don't know if that's worth it. Like, for me personally, I just felt like – I'd rather put that £300 into my next film and make something that I want to make better. And I think that betting on yourself is the biggest advice I can give. I personally think that the lessons you learn when you spend your own money is far greater than someone else's. You know, yeah, like sure. it it really does make you accountable and it really does make you appreciate that film or that experience. And I think it also like, looks good for... To get crew you know people respect that like i've been really lucky to get the most talented team because they can see the passion and the commitment that i have when you're like you go to someone dops or art directors or stylists or makeup artists, and you pitch them and you're like this is my project this is my money this is my story and you and it's genuineness you people will jump on board for free and i've been very lucky to have people work for free for years for me and then when i made it i've kind of bought them up with me and now we're all kind of succeeding together you know that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying when we kind of find a tribe and it's and i really do think that putting your own money where your mouth is 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 the biggest investment you can make to yourself and also i think having someone else's fund or grant not that it's a bad thing but you know imagine having that money and like potentially fucking up like mm. that would that would be so much stress for me whereas if i was to fuck <laughs> up i've only got myself to blame you know i am the client you're just
0: answering to yourself like and it's
1: empowering yeah, in a way yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. the client you know yeah. and i and i really enjoy that but again maybe that's because i'm a control freak <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> you're the client
0: you're the director Literally, you're the editor I'm you're the writer. <laughs> everything i'm
1: the fundraiser i'm everything but um but yeah maybe that's not suited someone else but that would be my personal advice that's what that's what i think has stood me and gain respect and and made people you know finally like notice me and and want to work with me i would mm-hmm. say and also marketing yeah. yeah i think again like in the hard times that i felt like i was in no nowhere i was doing edit jobs edit jobs edit jobs like no one was giving me a break um and i was cold emailing all these production companies wasn't getting any responses i think you know just even just focusing on your brand your website your email signature like just doing something that is you know, that. The logo that I have now took me like what six years to get there. I mean, it's yeah. a process. Like, it doesn't look like I woke up and I had that genius idea. Yeah, like, it took so many variations of my name, my logo, this, that, new website, new this. It's a, you have to keep chipping away at it. And I know everyone says that, but it genuinely is like in the darkest moments. Like, you just have to, you just have to like trust mm-hmm. that there is an audience for you. You know, like there is, there is an audience. Just you know, gotta stay
0: on it. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not fuck off. Yeah, it's tough. It's, yeah, it is like... I'm trying to sort of like do a bit more directing now, so it's, it's interesting to listen to the things you're saying, because, like, here at Family, for instance, I do, you know, the producing, the photography, sometimes editing, yeah. post-managing, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's... A lot of people don't understand, like don't really know exactly, you know, what I do, yeah. <laughs> because I am kind of a bit of a like scattergun when it comes to trying to do this. So it's, no, it's it's been cool listening to the to you know tips on like how to market yourself, especially yeah, yeah. yeah. and just like letting people know what you want to do. Yeah, like you strike me as the p- type of person who's probably quite good at that though.
1: Yeah, it's, I've learned to be. I'm. Yeah. I'm not good at networking situations at all. And actually, like, I'm. I'm terrible. Actually, I, I just get very awkward, and I don't like being obvious about stuff. But I sure. think once I found my groove as an editor, I think that's that's the other thing that I've got to. I think acknowledge is that I've had my journey within editing as well. You know, I've I've progressed and I've learned and I've. I mean that one itself has been a career in itself. So sometimes when I think about my career, and I'm like, oh, I'm 32 and I haven't made it yet, and I'm like, yeah, but because you've already built one career, you're transitioning yeah, yeah, from one yeah, to another. Yeah, like, yeah. sometimes it's easy to like to forget or like dis, dis, um, or undermine your achievements in other ways. You know, it's like that in itself is a success, and I've had to really try and build that confidence in myself that actually I am a good editor. Actually, because I wouldn't even think about myself. Like there'll be days i be like. I wouldn't even consider myself as a good editor. I just do it. as a job. It's like it's so instinctual to me. It's Mm -hmm. like what I breathe. You know. It's like I just do it. I get the money. I make my films. But it really took a moment where I was like, oh, like I look back and I was like, oh, I've been doing this for eight, nine years. Like I'm actually okay at this. You
0: know? (laughs) But you know what I mean? You don't think about it. You spent ten years doing something. Yeah. And because yeah, you're but, always
1: thinking about something ahead you're exactly, not really yeah, thinking yeah. about what have I achieved Yeah. and the darkest moments were when I was seeing those edit suites and being like I'm a fucking failure I'm just not meant to direct and there were times where I was like do you know what I'll just make the films I want to make for myself and just edit and get money and I and I <laughs> genuinely did that I just started making the films that I wanted to make for myself and I think that's the other thing you know in a way if you are your own audience it is more authentic to you and it is your own story you're not trying to fit a trend you're not trying to yeah. do what another director is doing or what a production company wants you to do and I think that is also, it's a true expression really of important. yourself, yeah. Yeah, and ultimately, it's, yeah, uh, it's,
0: it's a fantastic way of you know, like self funding all these kind of yeah. you know films that you've done, it's an amazing way of building you know a visual representation of like what you're about yeah. and your vibes no that's amazing uh lastly where can people jump online and, and look at some of your stuff
1: yeah i would say my vimeo is where it's popping because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i have a website but i'm um, currently i have uh, a lot of work that needs to be added to it so okay. i would say vimeo is the best thing which is uh, vimeo.com so, um, yeah perfect well <laughs> mate thank you for no, jumping on the thanks podcast for having me. I'm
0: really looking forward to doing some work with you yes I think, uh, that'd be great yeah mate give me a shout for if you need a <laughs> yeah <laughs> not an editor though. no no I don't think I'm ready for that no but uh, yeah no thanks a lot for coming down and um yeah let's work together soon yeah
1: great awesome thank you
0: that is all we have time for this week on the podcast guys but please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes you can also follow us on instagram at family and friends that's f-m-l-y and friends all one word for news on our new community hub and please also check out our main page at family creative that's on instagram or our main website family we'll catch you next time